Hello and welcome into another episode of the Lion Slayer. I am your host, John Sauber, and joining me in person once again uh, after a little Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving audio call uh, is Kyle J. Andrews. Kyle, how's it going? Doing well as always. Um, you know, it's been a lot of changes even in the past couple of weeks. Uh, it's it's a lot of differences than uh, what we what we kind of came into the podcast with, um, especially with uh, coaching and uh, you know just expectations too. I mean, we we thought that we had totally different uh, seems like expectations for the team, and they clearly haven't worked out to the way that we thought they were. I'm sure the team thought they were going to be a little bit better than. You know, their record says they are, but, you know, here we are. Yeah, and that record being 7-5, and five, uh, Penn State falling to Michigan State in the regular season finale, 30-27 uh, to 27 in East Lansing. Just a – I mean, we'll get – we'll go further into this, but just a, a weird game, right? Like, I I don't fully understand what they were doing offensively. I mean, the first half made total sense. Uh, then they decided to run the ball, I guess, for no apparent reason. Um, they once they fell twenty three to twenty to the Spartans. Once they once they lost uh, or once they went down twenty three to twenty, they ran the ball on nine of their next fifteen plays. Even though Sean Clifford up until that point was twelve of seventeen for one hundred eighty nine yards and two touchdowns, because he was facing the worst secondary in the country. Right, like this should have been a game they should have been throwing all over them. And we went to the post game presser, and I was sort of expecting James Franklin to say, "Oh, the strategy switched because the weather was worse because you know." We felt like with extra snow on the ground, it was going to be tougher to throw the ball, but he didn't. He said he wants to run the ball, said they need to be better at it. Sean Clifford said there were no issues throwing the ball other than maybe once or twice due to the weather. And, like, it just makes me wonder sort of what the hell they were doing, right? Like, the the strategy to go completely away from the passing game made no sense to me. And I don't know about you, but I I thought that was the reason they lost the game. Uh, it, was, it was mind-boggling. I mean, I, I just think that this is a team that, you know, they've been better at passing the ball all season than running the ball. Why change now? Why try to change your philosophy literally at the end of the season where it's winter? I mean, it, it's not winter go home, obviously, but you want to be in a better bowl game. And you have nothing to lose. Exactly. I mean, if you just toss the ball. Just toss it downfield. Have, let Sean Clifford have a career day, you know, and they didn't even consider. It's like, you know – this this pass defense is literally worse than the Ball State pass defense that you know Clifford. I mean, or and especially worse than Auburn. Auburn. Yeah, Auburn and Sean Clifford carved up Auburn like a like a Thanksgiving turkey. Ha ha. Timely way to go. Um, timely. You know, it it just it doesn't make any sense to me. I just I don't get it. I don't get it. And it seems like they need to go back to the drawing board during this off season. And get it together because I I have no idea what that what the play calling is like when you know you just go away from what you do best you know if you have guys that if your O line can't run block then I mean if your pass if your pass blocking is good and your passing game is good which has been this season it hasn't been I mean I'm not saying it's been amazing or, you know world beater but it's it's been good then keep going at it. Do what you do best and pass the ball. I understand imposing your will and all of these other things, you know, all these footballisms, but just throw the daggone ball. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. Yeah, and and this is this is sort of what gets me, right? Like this is a 
pass-first team that has been a pass-first team all season, right? Like there, there has been this unnecessary want to run the ball from James Franklin. They they have not been good at run blocking. Their running backs have not been good. Kevon Lee at least played well. He broke off a few big games that sort of distorted his rushing total. He finished the game with 15 for 79 uh, against Michigan State. But this is a team that excels against the pass. And I wrote about this after the game, but it's just it, – it is baffling that they insist on running the ball as much as they do. And when I say they, I mean James Franklin specifically. After the game, he was testy, right? He didn't seem like he wanted to be talking to the media. Um, and he said it was important to him that they run the ball. They need to be able to run the ball. Uh, he even got snippy when a reporter, Audrey Snyder of The Athletic, uh, asked him uh, or mentioned that they hadn't had a 100-yard rusher all season, and he pointed out that the season's not over yet, which to me was very petty. Um, but, like, I, I just don't understand why. Like, he wants to run the ball. ball. Great. We don't know the reasoning behind that yet, right? He constantly says they need to be able to run when everyone knows they're going to run. Why? If everyone knows you're going to run, then maybe you should throw the ball. If those are the expectations from the opponent, if the box is stacked, if they're preparing for you to run, then it makes sense to then throw the ball in those situations. I do not understand any of this insistence upon running the ball in a team that has not been good at doing it, in a team and under an offensive coordinator that seems to have no interest in doing it, mind you. And Franklin has admitted before, he's on the headset reminding Yurcich to run the ball. Why? He is not the offensive coordinator. I understand he is the head coach. If you want to give the controls to an offensive coordinator, then give all of them to him and let him run the offense the way he wants to. And maybe that was tongue-in-cheek. Maybe he's not doing it as often as it seems. But I, I do not understand any of their offensive strategy in that game. They had so much success throwing the ball in the first half. So much. They have one of the best wide receivers in the country who was getting open whenever he wanted it, yet they handed it to a running back in a running game that had no sustained success this season, and they failed over and over and over again, and it's no surprise that then they're forced to throw the ball down the stretch. They walk right down the field on Michigan State to make it 30-27. to They do that in the third quarter. They might win by two scores. It was just a baffling decision and frankly, that's what cost them the game. It was not the defense. It was not the players. It was the decision to run the ball when they had no reason to do it. Yeah, it's pure comedy to me. I, I just think that this whole, you know, like you said, the insistence to run the ball when it seems like Mike Gersich has no interest, like you said, in, in running the ball. Not only that, but your personnel literally dictates you not running the ball. Then don't run it. I mean, it's as simple as that. And it seems to me... That, you know, I I don't know where it is, where it's coming from, where it's like, you know, I it seems to me a lot of coaches, for some odd reason, have this have this insistence. They just need to be able to run the ball. They want to impose their will. Winning games means more than imposing your will. You know, you don't have to impose your will. You can outsmart guys and win games. I mean, shoot, let's be completely honest. That Ravens team that won the Super Bowl, or even even the Eagles team that won the Super Bowl, I mean, two of our favorite teams, yeah. they they both, you know, did things that no one expected them to do to win the Super Bowl, and that's okay. And that's and it could go the same way in college, where you can trick guys. I mean, how many upsets have we seen this season where a team does something totally unexpected? They just play aggressively exactly. too. Yeah, and, and go go for the jugular. You know, I remember a couple of times a season where, you know, 
the they would get the ball back and it was it was right before the second quarter was over right before the half was over and then Penn State would just be like eh we're going to run the ball we're just going to run the ball run the clock out why you know or the time where they instead of just going head up and punching them right in the mouth they go and try to fake a field goal and they end up losing a ton of yards against Michigan you know it's just it's just very simple things that they can do that don't I mean they're not crazy they're not groundbreaking they're not you know you're not reinventing the will but with for some reason for them it just seems like they are allergic to being you know just just try something try something that works don't try something that you know why do you need to I mean like don't try to trick them when it's when it's uh you know obvious that you're trying to trick them when you're running a, a fake field goal on on it what was it the two or three yard one I mean just run head up that time yes you want to like James Franklin preaches oh we want to run the ball when everyone knows we're running the ball then why didn't you do it in that situation why didn't you you know when when you have you have all these other fakes that you run that are actually good fakes and then you go and do something like that and then you go back to this game be aggressive, throw the ball. They have a bad pass defense. Yeah, they know the pass is coming, but how about this? How about you just give it to Jahan Dotson, who is literally, I mean, in our opinion, probably the if if not one of the best wide receivers, the best wide receiver, give him the ball. Put the ball in his hands. Put the ball in Parker Washington's hands. He can make plays. Put the ball in Keandre Lambert Smith's hands. Get the tight ends involved. Do something. Because whatever this is, it's not going to work, especially not next season when, you know, other teams are getting better. Well, and, and and I think this all points to this broader issue of it seems like those, you know, fourth and fourth and short, fourth and goal trick plays, like a lot of those situations are like they're they're going for it because they feel like they have to, right? Like they, they don't have a plan. You know what I mean? Like when... When you're an analytics-heavy team, you're supposed to come in, you're supposed to have a plan of, okay, we go for it in these situations, and you follow that plan, and period, end of story. Uh, the numbers will tell you when it's when it's more beneficial for you to go for it, when it's uh, not beneficial for you to go for it. It feels like some of the trick plays they run, you mentioned Michigan, is they run a trick play for the sake of running a trick play. Like, it's not actually one that is bound to have success. Um but I think I think this game was more about, like you said, they, they they wanted to sort of impose their will. And I I mean you can impose your will defensively too, right? Like you don't need to do it along the offensive line, especially when you have an offensive line that hasn't imposed its will on anybody. Not on Villanova, not on Ball State, not on Ohio State, not on Michigan. So why are they gonna do it on Michigan's against Michigan State in the final game of the year when Michigan State's playing to win ten games this season? It makes absolutely no sense. Um, they they went to a well that that they've gone to all year and hasn't worked all year, and thought for some reason um, it was going to change this uh, this time. There is a uh, popular unattributed quote out there that doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, is the definition of insanity, and that's sort of what this was, right? They're trying the same thing over and over again, and be like, "Oh, but this time it will be different." And I don't know that why they would believe it would be different because it hasn't been all season. But anyways, that is. That is more than enough on this offense and the train wreck that the play calling was uh, on Saturday. I thought the defense wasn't uh, sort of up to par with where it usually is. Um, it was, you know, it wasn't bad, but I think the snow definitely affected it more so than the offense for sure. 
Um, you know, Joey Porter Jr. struggled in coverage. I think like he has all year, honestly. He's been called for a lot of um, pass interference penalties that he he didn't need to commit or or he's not getting his ball or his head around to find the ball. Like there's, there were a lot of little things with Joey Porter Jr. this year that didn't go his way. But you know, he's young. He can still bounce back next year. But I, I thought this defense sort of wasn't at the level that it usually was. And part of that is Kenneth Walker III's really good for Michigan State. Um, and, and part of it was that, you know, the the team looked a little bit checked out on Saturday. They looked like they were ready for the season to be over. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's not a good mentality to have. You know, I, don't, I understand that, you know, human nature is going to set in. But I can tell you right now that other teams, when they when they get in a situation where, you know, very, very well coached teams, I'll say, you know, they never let themselves get to the point where they're just completely checked out. And I think that coaching has to be better. And I understand that players need to have their own self-motivation. That's 100 percent the case. But I think coaching has to be better in those situations of getting these guys up for the games and I understand this isn't like the NFL where these guys are getting paid millions of dollars to do this and their motivation should be that big paycheck in front of them but these kids they need to you know they have to have some external motivation to be able to get up and I mean that that's how I feel I think they they can get better they can play better down down the line um and I and I think that that's something that they need to focus on next season is just, you know, being a little, I mean, yes, they need, they definitely absolutely need to be more physical, but they need to get guys that are physical, you know, and you gotta, you gotta do better scouting sometimes. Cause I, I mean, the, the offensive line, <sighs> ah, man, I, I don't know what else to say. I, it's just, it was, it was a pain to watch this season. Yeah. Uh, I will say that, you know, for the defense not being at the top of its game, uh, it's sort of their one-off game off season. Like you, you almost want to give them a pass because it's like you you had to carry this group for eleven games, and for one final game, you weren't great in the snow. And honestly, they weren't that bad. They just you know gave up probably ten more points than they would want to, and the conditions dictated some of that, and the Heisman candidate on the other side of the ball dictated some of that. So I don't, you know, the defense wasn't at its absolute best, but I also don't blame it for much this year quite frankly it's one of the top 10 defenses in the country and the offense is one of the top 70 offenses in the country for espn's sb plus which is a forward uh, facing metric that's you know predictive in nature uh and it's tempo and efficiency based you know and, and penn state failed sort of in every way offensively on that front but there is a coaching change to discuss you mentioned coaching specifically with this defense uh, former defensive coordinator Brent Pry, who I believe was in charge of the defense for six seasons at Penn State, including uh, James Franklin's lone Big Ten championship in 2016, uh, has left to take the job at Virginia Tech, uh, the head coaching job at Virginia Tech. Um, what are your thoughts on on his decision to move on and, and sort of what this means for Penn State? I thought it was inevitable that he would find something because, I mean, Brent Pry is a very good coach. You know, and I think that the results speak for themselves, right? I mean, I, I think that, you know, eventually if you do a good enough job and you've done it at a high level, um, you'll find a head coaching position somewhere. And I think that, you know, it's it's been a lot of times where I think a lot of coordinators in the past haven't gotten those head coaching positions that, 
you know, they would they would usually have to drop down to FCS school or FBS or a lower lower level FBS school to try to bring themselves back up. And I think that, you know, we just saw Marcus Freeman get hired at uh at Notre Dame and I thought that was a really good hire um just based off of his youth and his, you know, ability to stop modern offenses, you know, and I think Brent Pry brings that as well. And then I also feel like, you know, defensively with the recruits that have wanted to play under his defense, I, I mean, it just made perfect sense to me that he would be able to find somewhere like Virginia Tech that will want him. And then I also think, too, like Brent Pry is an Altoona guy, and I think that going down to Virginia Tech uh, in Blacksburg where – you know, Appalachia is Appalachia, and I think when that, he had spent time there as a graduate yeah, assistant too, exactly. And I, I think he fits in perfectly with their culture and what they want to bring in. They want to be a physical football team. Um, they want to be a football team that flies around on defense. And I think that Brent Pry is the right guy to bring that type of mentality back to Virginia Tech. Um, and I also think that he'll be able to bring in the recruits too. You know, it's it's a ton of guys at Virginia Tech that were, you know, also looked at by Penn State. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they do in the near future. I think this uh, Virginia Tech team defensively at least will be, you know, very stout going forward. And, and you know, you mentioned uh, a lot of times coordinators have to drop down a level. That's less true on the offensive side of the ball. But for a defensive guy like Pry, like we don't see – like Marcus Freeman's an exception to this. Um, you know, Pry is obviously an exceptionist. You don't often see a defensive coordinator go from, like you said, a, a power five defensive coordinator job to a head coaching job in the power five and let alone a, a good power five job, uh, in my opinion, in Virginia Tech. So this is I mean, I, I think it's a no brainer for him to take the job. Right. Like it's it's a good job. Uh, I thought he did really, really well at the press conference today, his introductory press conference. Um, he mentioned, though, which I thought was interesting that. You know, he he plans to lead the defense until he feels like he doesn't have to, whether that's after a year or just after spring ball this year. So we'll see how his staff fills out. He might not control the defense, which honestly I, I generally think is the right decision uh, for head coaches because you already have a lot on your plate. There's no reason to add to it by sort of, you know, making uh, – you know, you know, making yourself call plays, making yourself game plan, making yourself be that much more prepared for game day when you've already got all decisions on both sides of the ball when it comes to game management is on your plate. So I thought that was curious. Um, I do think he's going to excel there. I don't know how long it's going to take. You know, it, it always takes some time, but they should be good defensively right off the bat. Um, even when Penn State didn't have a ton of talent defensively, he led good defenses. So I would expect that he will be able to do the same at Virginia Tech if he does maintain play calling duties, uh, if he does maintain control of the defense that first year. I think that's going to be uh, beneficial for them. We'll see how it ends up playing out long term. But in the meantime, I do think it'll help. Uh, the other side of this is obviously the Penn State side, right? And and how do you replace a guy that's been leading the defense for six years, that's been under James Franklin since 2011, that was the co-defensive coordinator under Bob Shoup before he was the defensive coordinator both at Vanderbilt and Penn State, and who led one of the best defenses in the country for the last six years, right? This is not like... Oh, you know, you know, you lost Ricky Ronnie to Old Dominion, who Ricky Ronnie did a, a fine job at Penn State, but he did not have the track record of success that Brent Pry does. Not to mention, Pry was someone that Franklin leaned on for everything, right? They were very close. And so you sort of lose your right-hand man. It's, you know, it's kind of like losing a part of your family. Um, so I'll be interested to see how Franklin handles that. And, 
you know, how, how that goes for him moving forward. But from an on-the-field standpoint, there is no doubt that this is this is a loss. There are candidates out there that they can that they can hire, and, you know, when, when that hire comes, we'll talk about it. But I think uh, it is going to be difficult for any hire they make to sort of reach the level that Pry has set over the last six years. Yeah, and that's that's always a tough call for sure. And I think that, you know, to me, I think this is a time where – you know, I really liked uh, years ago, I remember when Wisconsin hired Jim Leonard, and I thought that was a gigantic hire because you're bringing an NFL mind to, you know, college football. And I think that always, especially when, you know, NFL, the NFL is a passing league. I feel like college football is, uh, you know, very copycat, just like the NFL too. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're bringing a guy in that's younger, that understands – you know, the kids a little bit better than some some of the older coaches. And that's no offense to the older coaches. I think they can still be, uh, you know, very, very successful at this level. But I think that is always a – that's always something that you want to take into consideration. And I think that, you know, maybe they go looking in the NFL. Maybe they, you know, grab an assistant from the NFL. Maybe they grab somebody that was a former defensive coordinator in the NFL. Maybe they go to, you know, a college guy – that, you know, has had some experience working with James Franklin in the past. Um, you know, who knows? But I just know one thing, This it will be a tall task for them to measure up to the level that, you know, Brent Pry has brought to this Penn State defense. And, you know, I think recruiting, they'll be fine because, you know, I, I think they'll still be able to bring the type of level of kids that have been in under this defense. But, I think that, you know, now you have to – you don't have to completely, like we said in the past, reinvent the wheel. You just have to go out there and do something. Uh, And I think they can get creative with some of these guys that they have coming in. Yeah, and and I I think the recruiting is not going to fall off because, frankly, you look at the assistants left on staff, guys like Terry Smith, Anthony Poindexter, um, John Scott Jr., who's done a fine enough job as a defensive line coach – you know they're good recruiters, and they should be able to bring in the talent. Still, um, I will be curious to see how this plays out from a responsibility standpoint, because Pry was obviously in charge of coaching the linebackers. Special teams coordinator Joe Lorg is assistant linebackers coach. Curious to see if the defensive coordinator comes in and is the linebackers coach. Maybe they bring in someone else uh, to also be the defensive line coach, and then you, you move John Scott Jr. around. Like there, there are some dominoes uh, that can that can fall here. I don't think this. This is necessarily the last change that we see. I will say, uh, just to mention one in potential in-house candidate, because uh, I think there only is really one logical one, uh, and that's Anthony Poindexter, who called a defense at UConn, who was a co-defensive coordinator at Purdue, was a co-defensive coordinator at Penn State last year, um, has experience calling plays. Like Honestly, he's my guess, and, and this is a guess, uh, as to who will call plays in the bowl game, whatever bowl game that may be. Um, and we'll talk about that next week once it gets announced. But I think Anthony Poindexter is the one guy internally that, that you could sort of say, okay, this makes sense. But if I were Penn State, I would still be looking on the outside um, because this is a big hire, right? Like you just lost one, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. Uh, replacing with an internal guy who hasn't had the best results in the past with Poindexter at UConn. But, but again, maybe improved from that point. You're allowed to get better. I don't want to act as if, you know, Poindexter would be the same uh, coach that he was then. Uh, but I, I do think that they're better off going outside of Penn State for this hire, um, getting someone that 
you know, has had success uh, as, as a play caller before. I do think going the route of someone who hasn't called plays before could be risky. I mean, it's definitely an upside swing. Uh, there are candidates out there that would fill that role, but I, I I would tend to lean into get a guy that's called plays before, get a guy that's had success as a play caller, and get someone that you know can come in and implement a defense that is going to have success at Penn State right away rather than someone that you kind of hope will have success as a play caller and a coordinator. I don't know if this sounds crazy to you, but I was thinking of a guy like maybe maybe not exactly this type – I mean, this guy, of course, but maybe a guy like Anthony Weaver, you know, former defensive coordinator with the Texans, um, you know, a guy that has that experience, but he's an NFL guy. He's still a, uh, you know, maybe he still tried to vie for an NFL defensive coordinator position again. However, you know, not far away kind of guy that would, you know, bring, I feel like a different type of, you know, skill set to coaching. Um, at this level, honestly, I would I would expect them to shoot higher. Frankly, you know, I, I would expect them to go after some of the best defensive coordinators in the country. Um, now, whether they can land those guys, that might be a different story. But I think that they would want to shoot higher from a, a college standpoint, uh, from a recruiting standpoint, someone who's at least got more experience doing it. And you know, who knows? Weaver could be excellent, but I, I would think that they would go uh, more outside of the box there um, rather than. Uh, or not not sorry not more outside of the box but more you know uh college level guy that's been doing that for a while um but it'll be interesting right like there's there's a lot of off season left and technically we're not even there yet because they have a bull game uh be very curious to see what bullpen state ends up in uh it should be a fun time no matter where they end up and i'm looking forward to that we've got national signing day in two weeks we will have a lot on that uh hopefully have a special guest on um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot more to come, right? And we, we will have you covered here in the Lions Lair, no matter what it is, no matter what happens. Who knows? Maybe we'll, we even throw in an emergency episode if some big stuff happens. Uh, but that'll do it for this week's episode of the Lions Lair. You can find all of Kyle and I's writing at centerdaily.com. You can sup- subscribe to the Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at, at Kyle J. Andrews underscore. You can find me at, at John Sauber. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe this podcast wherever you're listening to it to uh, to it at. Excuse me. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and have a great day.